I'm Noah, and you're listening to A Bite Of, where we take our current favorite pop culture obsession and enjoy it one nibble at a time. Yum. Delicious. Nibbles of pop culture. Nibbles of creepiness here at the Twilight Zone. Yeah, Twilight Zone. I mean, we've covered quite a few episodes already, like four. Four. (laughs) But (laughs) we hope that you're loving this journey with us into the Twilight Zone. (laughs) There'll be two more. Now it'll be six. (laughs) Before we get into this episode, make sure you're following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at A Bite of Pod. We also have a Facebook group where you can just post about pop culture things or whatever, polls and stuff like that, and pictures of pets, all that great stuff. Whatever way you like to enjoy the internet, we have an outlet for you. Yeah. Discord, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's all there. We also have merch and a Patreon. And a Patreon. Yeah, so if you, you know, like the show and want to support us in any way, those are the two ways that you can help us get out of the Twilight Zone. So <laughs> we do, we do, we do, we do. Yeah. Without further ado. <laughs> Noah, hit us up with that theme and phobia for this week's episode. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. This episode is Frightful Flights. <laughs> and how could we not cover an episode of The Twilight Zone and theme it with aeroplanes? Because there's quite a few in The Twilight Zone. Because flying is scary, one. Yeah. And adding terrible, twisty, sci-fi slash supernatural things to it is not even... It's not good. It's it's a lot less fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I'm flying and there's even a bit of turbulence, I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want to know what happens when there's some sort of interstellar something or other going on. Oh, oh no. And, you know, with after watching these episodes and doing some research on like phobias and just kind of going down a rabbit hole of like strange occurrences on airplanes. Do you know how much the pilots do not tell the passengers of things going on? <laughs> I kind of appreciate that, I to don't. be honest. No, not me. <laughs> I mean, my biggest thing was like recently we were on a flight. Well, not recently. Well, months ago, maybe six months ago, we were on a flight. And the people in front of me were asking for flavored seltzer. And they were like, oh, we have the aha seltzer in here. It's really good. And then they gave them. And I was like, hi, can I have some flavored seltzer? And they gave me plain seltzer. Oh. <laughs> Why didn't I get the fun flavored one? <laughs> that was... <laughs> The, t- the the line from how much the pilots don't tell us what's going on to just immediately but what I'm upset about is that seltzer. That's the level I can handle on oh. an airplane. I don't oh. want to know anything that the pilots aren't okay. telling us. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I have a very low threshold for what I can handle on a plane, and it was that. Yeah. And so, obviously, this phobia for this episode is going to be the fear of flying aerophobia slash aviophobia i like that though let's just keep it simple on the name yeah you know what i mean it's like we get it aerophobia perfect yeah yeah so again i got my wonderful phobia research from verywellmind.com aerophobia is a type of specific phobia that involves a fear of flying or air travel while they say that air travel is actually safer than other, other traveling means it's just a lot scarier. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, I think everybody has some type of anxiety with flying, be that 
how long the lines are, how long you have to wait, how there's not really any snacks or you have to pay for the snacks. Just An arm and a leg. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a lot that goes on yeah. in this. Research suggests that between 2.5% and 40% of people experience flying-related anxiety each year. So it's between 2.5% and 40%. So again, most people yeah. have Yeah, almost half. Yeah. Estimates on the low end likely represent instances where the condition is diagnosed by a mental health professional, while those on the higher end are just more self-related symptoms that you're just freaking out yourself. Mm-mm-mm. But also, it's, it's interesting because it's like, are those ones that are diagnosed by a health profession, like, they like were like sent to them because they're like, you cannot fly because you're ridiculous? You know what I mean? And then like the 40% is just like, I just hate flying. Probably. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the thing is, is that with flying, there's so much that's out of our control. You know, when you're behind the wheel of a car, you're on the ground, you're kind of controlling things. Like we just have to hope that science always works the way it's supposed to. Like we're going fast enough that we remain in the air. Yeah. This it's interesting because this phobia is almost like the apocalyptic phobia that I talked about in the first episode where they can't it's not a real phobia because there's so many like it's an umbrella and it's like you know people might have a fear of a plague people have a fear of zombies people have a fear of nuclear weapons whatever so they can't really categorize it as a whole this one it's more this is the phobia but it could be caused by other phobias while doing this phobia and those are claustrophobia Mm. fear of heights acrophobia social or germ phobia so these all mix together to kind of create this super phobia yeah of being in a metal tube with a bunch of people yeah i mean it's 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 interesting i think it's it's kind of there's a lot going on for people that have aerophobia (laughs) you know i always think about the amazing race and like they have to take so many planes by the fourth leg you're probably just like this is fine i just feel like 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 i feel like naturally when you fly like the whole thing i get a little nervous i don't know if you get a little nervous but it's like a little nerve-wracking i I'm not nervous until we land. What? Landing freaks me out. I don't know why. Taking off, being in the plane, I'm cool as a cucumber. But that landing, I just, you know, I've seen too many videos where I see planes land, planes land, and they just wobble so much. And I'm like, these tiny itty bitty wheels with these giant wings, I, you know, you turn a wrong way, there's a gust of wind, you're dead. <laughs> and there's always that moment when you land where, like, uh, like, I don't know. I don't know if there's any such thing as a smooth landing, like going from, like, tens of thousands of miles an hour to, like, stopping where everybody just, like, whoop, jerks forward there's and almost hits their head. definitely times where it's a little jerkier than should be. There was one where I was on where it just seemed like he kind of turned while landing, too. Goodbye. <laughs> so not only was everybody just, like, but they, like, kind of smacked their oh head gosh. on the side and we were like what the fuck was that he came on the intercom he's like sorry for not smooth landing i'm like yeah <laughs> sorry insane. there was a another plane in front of me how to uh swerve out of the way there should oh god there's a there's geese just flying by <laughs> hello there should be like a deduction system for your ticket if like the flight was just awful <laughs> if the get a little bit was, of like, a yeah, yeah yeah right we're so sorry for the inconvenience here's like five dollars back <laughs> give me a give me a little voucher to a little place in the airport where i can get a snack let me go to the first class for a little bit Come oh on. the lounge yeah. the lounge so that's my phobia it's pretty straightforward 
I don't really have anything else to say about it, but I do really like though that point that you made that there are other phobias built into this one phobia. Yeah. It's like it, flying is such a bizarre thing. We just are these hundreds of people in this metal tube and it's like there's so much happening. Yeah. You have to really I think that's why watching something or taking something I totally am like go for it because you need to disconnect from this moment of madness. Oh, yeah. I mean, some people just knock themselves out. They're like, I don't want to be awake if we crash or whatever. <laughs> I just don't even want to be awake for this entire thing because all my anxieties will just yeah. explode while we're flying. Yeah, exactly. Explode probably isn't a great word to use while talking about flying. <laughs> Yikes. That's never something you Yikes. want to hear. No. All right. Um, spoiler alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. You've been alerted for spoilers. Yeah. If you have not seen these episodes again that came out in the 60s, we uh, we will also be talking about some of the episodes that happened in the 2019 Twilight Zone. So if you're making your way through that, warning, you will be spoiled from all of Twilight Zone. Here you go. <laughs> so let us officially take a bite of the Twilight Zone, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, and the Ooh. Odyssey of Flight 33. Trace and trace. Mm-hmm. So I am doing another William Shatner episode. Back to back. Back to back Shat. <laughs> oh, I knew it was coming. <laughs> I said it because I thought it was going to be clever, and then it just sounded like poop. <laughs> just, so it's one of those jokes where it is what it is. That's the real nightmare at Let, twenty thousand. Just flush it down the toilet. Just <laughs> oh man, we're batting a thousand. 20,000, in fact. Oh, my God. Anyway, okay, okay. <laughs> Keep going. So this was uh, in season five, the last season of the Twilight Zone episode. Episode. Why do we keep doing that? I don't know. <gasps> What's happening? Because we want to talk like this. I guess so. Oh, man. <laughs> like that's bizarre. <laughs> Twilight Zone. We do, we do. Uh, premiered on October 11th, 1963. <laughs> Smooth. And it was written by Richard Matheson. Mm-hmm. And this was actually based on a short story that Matheson had written. Mm-hmm. So he knows it in and out. Who was it directed by? Richard Donner. Yes, Richard Donner. And act was that bad? No, that's great. Oh. Do you know who Richard Donner is? No. So they've done so many of the world's favoritest movies. This is one of his earliest, earliest projects. Yes. Goonies. Ah. Uh. Lethal Weapon. The Superman Christopher Reeves movies. I mean, those are just to name a few. What's so funny is that in doing the research for this, I think they had interviewed matheson and he was like livid not livid but he was not happy with the direction that donner went for this episode he was young especially well that's exactly it he said this was like one of his first jobs ever he was like the the original guy that they were looking to direct this the way that they were going to dress the gremlin was like in this black suit with diamond dust on him and it was almost like you could barely see him well that's fun on the wing of the plane uh-huh. which sounds really interesting and then, spoiler go ahead. and then so donner said you know what though ape suit <laughs> let's do that <laughs> I will say it is frightening. Yes. But also really ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. But yet I, I, this is like one throughout my life that I know what's going to happen, but has scared me every single time. Yeah. Yeah. It it's is. so good. Yeah. It, it's, it makes me nervous. It freaks me out and it makes me hysterically laugh. I just feel like it has one of the most successful jump scares in Twilight Zone. Well, also, I mean, to, you know, Matheson's uncredit, I mean, it it's great. The episode mm. is great. It's one of the most famous ones, not only because of William Shatner, but because of the episode. So right. he helps make it great. So just like calm down. <laughs> That's one of the things, though, 
and of course, watching it a couple of times and taking notes, this episode, there's one set. Yeah. And there's, it's the same, it's the same situation three times, but mm-hmm. it works. It just, they managed to, William Shatner manages to hike the tension up every time. Oh, yeah. Which is pretty incredible. Yeah. He and, plays a great, and I think I had posted this on my personal Twitter <laughs> from the last episode, that he plays a fantastic like nervous, paranoid character, William Shatner. Yes, he's great at doing that. Yeah. He just—he's—it's great at like him feeling that anxiety or that paranoia mm-hmm. and making it you feel that too. It's just so good, and especially in a 1960s sci-fi half-hour drama. Yeah, to be able to deliver that is a pretty pretty great talent. Yeah. So let's start off as we do with our episodes by going through our monologue by Mr. Sterling. Oh yay. Portrait of a Frightened Man, Mr. Robert Wilson, 37, husband, father, and salesman on sick leave. Mr. Wilson has just been discharged from a sanitarium, where he spent the last six months recovering from a nervous breakdown, the onset of which took place on an evening not dissimilar to this one, on an airliner very much like the one in which Mr. Wilson is about to be flown home. The difference between that, on that evening half a year ago, Mr. Wilson's flight was terminated by the onslaught of his mental breakdown. Whoa, big word. <laughs> Tonight, he's traveling all the way to his appointed destination, which, contrary to Mr. Wilson's plan, happens to be in the darkest corner of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack in that opening narration. So much but, information. But my biggest question is, what does he sell? Salesman. That's it. No, he can't sell salesman. Can he? He's a salesman. He sell he sells salesmen. So he was so. already in the Twilight Zone <laughs> selling salesmen. And then he went even further into the Twilight Zone, Gremlin on the I wing. want an episode of him in the sanitarium. What led him to be that way? Yes. So this is my question, which they don't give you any background it's on. It's the Twilight Zone. They never do. But but it's so heavy. He had a mental breakdown on a plane. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Selling, sales, selling salesmen took too much out of him. He couldn't yeah. do it anymore. Uh, that would. I also do want to preface this with, I got confused with his character from our last one. And in all of my Don. notes, his name is Don. <laughs> in this one, his name is Bob, Bob or Robert. So if I say Don, I'm talking about William Shatner. <laughs> Good old Donbert. Yeah. Got him. <laughs> Whatever. The episode opens up with... Bob and his wife, Julia, getting on the plane. And you know it's going to be hellacious flight because there aren't assigned seats. No. And also, you don't... There's nobody else. It's just Bob and his wife for a while. The camera doesn't even look at anybody else. Special treatment. He just got back from the sanitarium. (laughs) Yay. But but isn't it interesting that... I mean, the camera's just focused on them the entire time. You don't really even see other passengers. You know they're there. Yeah. But you know, usually when it's like kind of like going to be taking place in one area... It's like, here's the older woman that's probably going to die. Here's the creepy guy that you need to keep your eye on. This one, it's just these two. Well, they're our principal players. <laughs> yeah. They're the only ones that matter besides... Also 30 minutes. Mr. Gremlin. Yeah. <laughs> on, on the wang of the plane. Mm-hmm. So they, they find their seat. He sits next to the window and Julia is a little bit concerned about this. She's like, are you sure? <laughs> you want to go next to the window? And he's like, yeah, it's okay. I'm over my breakdown. I'm going home. I'm going to heal. Not even just any window seat, though. The, the emergency exit, or the auxiliary exit, I mm-hmm. think they called it then. <laughs> yeah, and the, and even to take it further, not only is he sitting there on this plane where you get to choose your own seats, 
he starts to pull out a little stogie he wants to smoke yeah. in the yeah. middle of the plane. There's so much happening here. <laughs> so again, we we find out that he had a breakdown. He's been cured, and he says it was over tension and over anxiety due to underconfidence. And then he turns on the light. And then we have our opening monologue. So mm-hmm. that's really just the setup of them getting on the plane. When we come back from the monologue, the flight attendant tells them to fasten their seatbelts and his wife slips a sleeping pill. She's one of those people. Mm-hmm. She said, I'm out. Sorry you had a breakdown. I'm sorry planes have been really bad for you in the past, but mama needs to sleep. She also, so speaking of mama, she tells <laughs> him at one point, like when she's going to take the pill and stuff, she was like, don't worry, mama's taking you home. I don't like that. <laughs> If you that's like for mama. That's like if I turn to you and be like, don't worry, daddy's taking you home. It's Ew. weird. Ew. It's weird. Ew. Zaddy's home. Like also, no. So if he was discharged from a sanitarium not that long ago and the doctor is pretty much like ordering him to like face his fears and fly all the way to his destination, you're not giving him any medication, nothing to calm him just a little bit. Also, no supervision from from the doctor? I, you know, I feel like for him, it's a lot about proving to himself that he's okay. It's just not a recipe for something you to know, be successful. And she's there to support him. And she does a great job. By taking a sleeping pill and That's going to sleep. what I'm saying. She's like, oh, I'm going to help you through this flight. Mama's taking you home, but also mama's going to go to sleep. So have fun. <laughs> Mama going to get you home real safe. But first, mama needs a nap. Okay, baby. <laughs> I love you, baby. God. (laughs) So as he's getting settled, it's raining furiously outside. He takes a look out the window, and who is there from a distance walking until we can see him Mm. but our good friend, Mr. Gremlin? When I first saw this, I thought it was so dumb. I was just like, okay, that's to your, like, what now that I know, like, what Matheson said about what I was like, oh, this looks, this looks, ugh. The older I've gotten, the more I appreciate it and think it's just great. Yes. It just, you get no information on this thing at all. And it's terrifying. I think one of the biggest questions that we all need to ask is, sans wings, gremlins can fly? He's able, this, this gremlin is able to just casually strut down the wing. Yes. They're, granted, I think airplanes go faster now. Don't quote me on this, like 600 miles an hour or seven, whatever. Back then, it was probably like 400 or whatever. Still, that's very fast. How? Yes. <laughs> Magnetic feet and this, something. And he's just like, hey, everybody, it's me, Gremlin. Yeah. I'm here on the wing. Hey, who are you? What's this over here? I'm going to pull this up. So seeing Mr. Gremlin just appear out of nowhere, he obviously panics. He tries to get the flight attendant's attention by pressing the call button. I love that he looks around like, is anybody else Hello? seeing this? Hello? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you do have that vantage point, right? If you're on the wing, you're just staring you right. Know, right. right at the wing and seeing it. So I don't know. Everybody else took sleeping pills. Everybody else is tired. immediately within five minutes. <laughs> they got up in the air and they were like, night. Yeah. Well, anyway. I was going to say, we see later on that they have sleeping pills to give out to people, too. Yeah. I mean, different time, the 60s. So weird. Different time. Of course, everybody wakes up. The flight attendant comes over. Mr. Gremlin just kind of levitates off the wing, and he's gone. (sighs) Guys, if you haven't seen this episode or if you have seen it, rewatch it. Him just literally just kind of of jumping and spreading his wings, his wings, his arms out and just going, wee! 
Yes. I think it's later on when he lands back on the wing. Yeah. He's literally just standing and he just like floats back onto the wing. It's so good. He's just he like, what no up? wings. <laughs> what the most unreal, unrealistic thing is this Sasquatch-like creature being able to fly. We're fine with the Sasquatch-like, Sasquatch-like creature, but the fact that it could fly, it's we're too saying much. no. It's way too much. And the fact that this creature has the the i guess brain capacity to also be like i'm gonna fuck with this dude that's staring at me this mm-hmm. whole time like what is this <laughs> I, you know gremlins i feel like maybe I, we should have done some research on gremlins maybe gremlins have a they like to taunt they like to play with you i guess so i could see around more doing that but <laughs> noah said that's more of a troll thing you know, but that's fine don't buy it <laughs> <laughs> so of course there's nothing there he closes the curtain his wife offers him a sleeping pill. He's like, no, no, no. They get him a glass of water, which actually is in a glass of water. It is the tiniest little paper cone of water that has ever existed. It's li- So you know like snow cones, how it's like paper, like the, the cone? Yeah. It's worse than that because worse. it looks like you took a piece of paper. Origami. Right. And kind of folded it in cone form and then just stapled the sides. I'm like, how? I guess it's like easier to clean up, but- yeah. I- I mean, I feel like... How do you drink it? Is it going to plane? Well, that's the thing. I also feel like <laughs> you, can't you have it. to drink it right away because <laughs> yeah. that definitely is going to leak. It's only for like a swig and then you're done. <laughs> yeah, you're done. You're done. For just one sleeping pill and then you're good to go. Yeah. So he, he tries to calm himself, but there's just something nagging at him. And he just is looking at the curtain and he just can't stop himself from bringing his hand up and pulling the curtain back and it's the scariest scene in all of television (laughs) at least in the 60s (laughs) yes this when i was a little kid this part i would no joke scream at the top of my lungs because our gremlin has his face pressed against the window and is like going back and forth staring at him this fucking guy he wait. I want to know how long this gremlin's face was on the window, waiting for him to hopefully pull the. <laughs> yes. Hello. Tick 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 tick. Hello, friend. God. So of it's course, crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. He panics again, as we all do. Everybody comes rushing over, and this time the gremlin floats above the window. He like scurries above, yeah. and it's like what? <laughs> Goodbye. Wee. Yeah. So then. It, he comes back down, and this time is when he he starts playing with the propeller. He finds the little panel to start ripping it up. So our boy Bob is truly freaking out. Yeah, it's only when he's the only one looking at it, of course. Yeah. So the whole time you're watching, there's like, is this real? Is he just freaking out? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but his wife thinks he's just freaking out. They go back and forth. He actually names it a gremlin. Yeah, which is the weirdest thing. Out he, of nowhere, he's just like, I heard stories about gremlins. He says, remember the stories? What stories? Like, no. What stories? His coconut head of a wife is like, no. Ah, coconut head. She does have, like, she her real, hair's bad. Ooh, her hair's real bad. She said, I'm going to pick my husband up. Get me to full on coconut. Yeah. She's like, have you seen coconut? Make my head that shape. <laughs> also, same like, color. <laughs> I'm feeling trumpy cow. I'd love to have a little coconut cut. <laughs> I'm going home. <laughs> and he, he turns to her and he goes, do I look insane? Which I feel is like the number one thing to not ask a person. He the more he tries to say he's not insane, the more not fully with it he seems. Yeah. He's just getting worse and worse. He's literally digging himself into a hole. And then from that hole, he then asks her to go get the pilot. So she walks to the door and knocks on the door to the cockpit. And the flight attendant's like, 
Hello. <laughs> no, no, no. You're not allowed in there. We we don't we don't do that. We don't do that. So the gremlin comes back. He's really going on this panel. He starts yelling again. The engineer, the flight engineer comes out and the engineer's like, "Oh yeah, no, we we know. Just uh just don't alert the other passengers." And Bob realizes that he's just patronizing him and trying yeah, to get him to shut which up. Which makes sense. And I do have to say that's it's not it, I can't fault him because again, kind of what I said earlier, they don't like to tell passengers anything that could possibly go yeah. wrong. So it kind of makes sense. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something on a plane. Just shh, we know about it. Just don't say anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, worst fear, the engine's getting messed up. Oh, my God. This gremlin wants to rip that engine up. Do you know that most planes can fly without with one engine? I did not know that. Yeah, terrifying. So if it starts, like, smoking or catching on fire and it's, like, dead, Everyone's you're chilling. fine. <laughs> We're like, I don't and know. And if both go out, still fine. You just float. <laughs> Dear Lord. That I don't want to think about. Sorry. After this episode, we may never take another trip again. <laughs> so they get him one of those airline sleeping pills. He pretends to take it. He gets up. He notices that another sleeping passenger has a gun. Air marshal, maybe? I guess. That's literally the only person that could possibly have a gun on a plane. I don't Hopefully. know. Hopefully. I don't know about the 60s, but... <laughs> well, again, speaking of the 60s, he quote unquote drops his cigarettes and just... <laughs> just easily unclips the gun and takes it nobody this dude has been freaking out on the plane for probably the past hour and nobody notices this obviously manic man walking to go get a gun well as we pointed out everybody else on the flight is sleeping and the flight attendant is just over it she doesn't want to deal with it she's like if he's not yelling it's fine okay he took his sleep he was gonna go to sleep gonna go sleep i'm not but i'm not like an, a scientist or an airplane scientist tell me whatever more they're called but i just when he went for the gun i'm like i don't think shooting a gun in a pressurized metal tube going through the sky is a great idea well also like like okay so the next thing is is that he tells his wife to get him a glass of water he opens the emergency exit he flies out the window granted he has a seatbelt on half but, of his body is out but the window. everybody yeah. else on the plane perfectly fine i love that he told his wife to get up and unsecure Un- herself right. <laughs> while he's gonna just open the window to the plane to shoot this thing good luck julia <laughs> he's like hopefully she fucking die love you coconut head yeah. see you never <laughs> so he takes all six rounds out on the gremlin he gets it in the chest a couple of times the gremlin flies off but everybody's in a panic obviously they have to make an emergency landing <laughs> There he is in some sort of, not really a straight jacket, but he's strapped in he's to a gurney. tucked in real nice in a hospital yeah. blanket with straps across his chest. Exactly. <laughs> and so people think that he tried to commit suicide, but he knows that he really saved them all. When they pan back to the wing of the plane, sure enough, the panel has been ripped up, the one the gremlin was working on the entire time. Also, guys, give him more credit. If he's trying to commit suicide, I think he would unbuckle his seatbelt. Yeah. Just saying. Good call. And not just shoot out. Also, he has nothing. a gun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay. We'll get into it. People are dumb on this plane. Yeah. So dumb. Um, but as we all know, in the Twilight Zone, everybody's questioning what's real and what's not. I believe him. There was a gremlin on the wing of that plane. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I, I, I think there's only a handful, handful, handful of... Ep- handful? Handful. Hand, whatever. There's a few episodes of the oh. Twilight Zone where... The thing that's happening is ambiguous. 
Yeah. Most of the time, like the twist, whatever happens, like that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, there was actually two aliens here the whole time. Right. There was a gremlin on the plane. Yeah. Nobody else saw it. Yeah. So. And I like that for Bob. I feel like he needs that victory after what's been going on. Yeah. Whenever he's going into the actual ambulance, she says, everything's going to be all right. It's all right now. And he's like, I know I'm the only one that actually does know it's all right. Right. Meaning he knows that he saved the plane. And everybody else will eventually find out right. that he was telling the truth. Absolutely. Right. So I wonder yay. if the plane ever went down. Like maybe the gremlin just came back. <gasps> no, once he, he killed left. it. He killed the gremlin. He saved them. Yeah, we don't know. Oh. He like floated off. Goodbye. What kills a what kills That's a flying true. Sasquatch that likes to terrorize planes? Turns out <laughs> engines of planes, oddly yeah. enough. That's why he's trying to get them to stop. Yeah. I I love this episode though. Yeah. I know we goof around about it, but one, it's the 60s, but it's great. William Shatner is phenomenal. Absolutely. In every single episode yeah. that he's in. And and this this storyline was remade twice by the Twilight Zone yep. franchise. So it was once uh, with John Lithgow in the Twilight Zone movie in 1983. And then, of course, in the new series, there was Nightmare at 30,000 Feet with Adam Scott. Yeah, I have to. Okay, so I have to mention this episode because I, I believe it was the second episode in the revival of this in 2019. And it's interesting because they decided to do a very well-known Twilight Zone episode very early mm. in reviving this. But, I mean, I guess 10,000 more feet make, means the nightmare is 10,000 more scarier. It's math. Yeah. Math. <laughs> so, Adam Scott is the titular character in this, and he plays a guy named Justin Sanderson. It's this, there's no gremlin on this one, which was no. very disappointing, I will say. In this new revision of this the idea of a passenger who becomes increasingly distressed while trying to save a flight from a doom apparent to nobody but himself he pretty much he hears a podcast that's telling him everything that's happening and is like planting these things into his head and that's what ties the two together the original story in this one is that he's trying to save the entire flight from something nobody else knows about right and And that's the intersection well that's the thing i feel like the I mean, it's going to sound silly, but I feel like the podcast is the gremlin. It's the mythical thing that appears and changes the course of the flight. True. For our main character. True. I mean, yeah, I guess the podcast was the thing that was going to destroy the plane in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, Again, with these newer ones, since they're kind of easily accessible and maybe a lot of people didn't watch it because this this new one only got two seasons and people needed to watch it because it was pretty good. Yeah. I will say go watch it. And I'm not going to say anything else about this episode, but I will say <laughs> I really enjoyed it. The way that they use the podcast to fuel this dude's like distress and further the plot yeah. of it was, I think, was pretty interesting. I liked it a lot. You know, I, I've i said this a couple of times. I've probably said it once in each episode. But again, I feel like in the first season of the new Twilight Zone in 2019, there's a commentary on something. And it almost feels lightly like the dangers of podcasts. Like, the yeah. more people listen to something, they'll believe whatever it is that they're listening to just because they love it so much. I think, yeah, I mean, I think to for like, I don't think it was pointed at podcasts, but I think it's more of the fear of not knowing that type of thing. Kind of like, not profiling, but like, kind of, you just, one, you don't have all the facts, and two, nobody else is listening to you. It It, it, it is weird. I think this one is like... What is actually happening in this one? What is the the message yeah. across the board with this one? Maybe it's just sit down when you're on a plane. Yeah, and just stop, sit down. Listen to, stop listening to a podcast that you found on a Zoom. I wouldn't. In the thing. <laughs> Imagine now during Corona Omicron. 
picking mm-hmm. out something that wasn't mm-hmm. yours and putting it in your face. Yeah. No. This one, th- this episode was very, uh, how do I say this? It was very competent. It was, it was well written. It was great. But I did feel it like it was a little dissatisfying almost. Mm. Yeah, yeah. When you finally get to the end of it. Well, because the whole, the, the whole journey of the episode is going, wait, what's happening? What's yeah. going to happen? Yeah. And, and when you get to the end, it's like, it oh. has that it has that doom and gloom of the Twilight Zone yeah, that you yeah. get every now and then. Yeah, Adam Scott does a fine job, but I want to say in the previous iterations of the story, story with William Shatner and John Lithgow, they could push the performances to like frantic extremes mm. that I don't think Adam Scott was really able to get to. Well, also though, I feel like the material wouldn't allow him to get to the frantic extreme in both of the prior nightmare at whatever thousand feet there there's a literal gremlin on the plane whereas adam scott isn't given that material no but he's to play a paranoid passenger trying to Mm. save the plane that nobody else knows about so he he has the he had the ability to kind of play into more of that paranoia and like trying to do stuff and he has his moments but i just felt like the thing that makes those other two so good is just that franticness Mm. of that like isolated paranoia that's happening with that one person yeah i don't know um i liked it watch it i just really liked all of your plosive p's that you used you were like person on a plane paranoia it was fantastic that's why it's hard to talk about these episodes there's a lot of (laughs) (laughs) so that's it for nightmare at twenty thousand feet (laughs) all right on to mine this one is so fucking weird it's so weird it's so weird Full disclosure, I'd never seen it before, and I understand why now, but we had a handful of ones, and I was like, I'm just going to do one I've never seen before. I was very pleasantly surprised with the ridiculousness of it, but it's always nice to watch things you've never seen before. Yeah. No, it was like, which one should we do? Which one do you think would be fun to talk about? I said, well, um, this one has a dinosaur in it, and he was like, we're doing that one. How dare you spoil (laughs) it? I'm sorry. God. (laughs) we, We said spoiler alert. Yeah, alerted know, for spoilers. I know, I know, I'm I know. sorry. Was that just it's a good fine. fun thing for you to reveal for your it's episode? It's like the only thing that happens in the episode, but it's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this, <laughs> the Odyssey of Flight 33 first premiered on February 24th. On February 24th, 1961, it was in season two, episode 18. We have a lot of season two and season ones, which are probably the better seasons of the Twilight Zone. Well, I think like flat out, we could just say that we're probably not. I don't think we have any season fours lined up. I think and, I have one. Oh, do you? Yeah. Well, season four is when they forced the Twilight Zone to go to an hour instead yeah. of the 30 minute format. And people just like were not crazy about well, it. Even Rod Serling himself was like, some of the writing for this just doesn't work yeah. in that long format. Yeah. So. I get it, but there's still some gems in there. I'm not saying. Yeah, we that. we saw one on uh, New Year's. What was it? Jez Jezbel. I I can't. I Jez- refuse to even talk about that one on this one. <laughs> I can't stand it. Jezbel. But witches. the actress that's in it plays in another fantastic one. Yeah, that, that we're one gonna I cover. Yeah, I hate it. I hated it. It was so long. It was so stupid. So long. I wish everybody just disappeared into the Twilight Zone on that one. Go away. If you know which one I'm talking about, you know Jezbel. <laughs> so open opening narration. You're riding on a jet airliner en route from London to New York. You're at 35,000 feet. Why is the first one 20,000 feet and this one only 35? And this one's 35. Why well, did that plane go? Sh- Maybe because I guess it's going cross Atlantic. I don't know. Well, planes have to fly at different altitudes so that they don't crash into each other. I told you I wasn't a plane scientist, <laughs> so I concede. <laughs> 
<laughs> at 35,000 feet atop an overcast and roughly fi- 55 minutes from Idlewild Airport. Spoiler, that's JFK. Who it, knew? I, I'm i glad it's JFK. We, we were like, what, what are they saying? Yeah. Eat, eat a weedy? <laughs> but, wait, you've, but what you've seen occur inside the cockpit of this plane is no reflection on the aircraft or the crew. It's a safe, well-engineered, perfectly designed machine. And the man you've just... You'll see. Met are trained, cool, highly efficient men. Problem is simply that the plane is going too fast and there's nothing within the realm of knowledge or at least the logic to explain it. Unbeknownst to the passengers and crew, see, I told you, the the airplane is heading into an uncharted region well off the beaten track of commercial travelers. It's moving into the twilight zone. What you're about to see we call the Odyssey of Flight 33, which is so weird. They never do that. Why? Say the title. Oh, it's so weird. It is weird. Why do I keep getting the narrations that are just weird? I don't know. That was very long, too. I'm too sorry. fast. Yeah. <laughs> too furious. So this episode takes place on Global Airlines Flight 33. They're going from London to New York. Everybody and their mother on this plane is like demanding these pilots to fly faster. They want to get to their destination. People oh, have dates. Yeah. People have to go to operas. People have meetings. I believe the term is heavy dates. I wish that came back. If you had a like a serious date, meaning like it's not just like a first date or kind of like, I'm just going to get coffee, like a heavy date. Like heavy. this is like, it could lead into some heavy things. I wish people did that more. I do. Just tonight. Wow. <laughs> heavy <laughs> date. Wow. Wow. <laughs> About 50 minutes from Idlewild. Is it Idlewild? I feel like I'm Idlewild. saying a, I'm, I'm, I'm saying a Pokemon. That's what I feel like I'm saying. Gotta catch them all, <laughs> Idlewild. So about 50 minutes from JFK. The airport. <laughs> Captain Farver and his crew noticed that the ground speed of their Boeing 707 is rapidly increasing beyond reason. What? And I will say that there's about 50 men in this cockpit. How many people does it take to fly a plane? This is... Listen, look, look. <laughs> a lot. You got the pilot... You got the co-pilot. You got the navigator. Radio guy. Engineer and radio guy. That's five people in one little cockpit. And then good old uh, Janie comes in and she's the one that's all like, the girls got Broadway shows and uh, they got dates. It's everybody's sweating. It's so hot. It does seem seem really hot. Apparently, they're going about 830 knots and I have no idea what that means. Garlic knots. I (laughs) could. Is it going as fast as it takes to make 830 garlic knots? Like, that's how fast they're going. Delicious. (laughs) Which doesn't seem very fast, actually. No. There's a lot of strange pilot language in this episode. Like, they say, hit hit one Lulu of a jet stream. That's a technical term. What? No, I'm kidding. Oh. Lulu. (laughs) Lulu. That that means nothing. Wait, one Lulu of a jet stream. What are knots? What's gander? And what's no soap? He says no soap in this. Okay, let's break it down. I don't... So knots, we already got. Garlic knots. We don't... Right? Lulu. I mean, you know. A Lulu. It was before Hulu. (laughs) (laughs) No no soap means that it's not slippery. It's dirty? Dirty. Dirty, not slippery. Not sanitary. Grimy. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. There's another one I forgot. Gander. Oh, a gander. Oh, geese, geese. Gander geese. No, they're not. Is it? No, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I'm making all this up. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> see, not scientists of planes. No, I knew one thing about uh, 20,000 versus 25,000 feet. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> well, that does make sense. I do want to say this is a fun little tidbit. Author Mark Scott Zakri of the Twilight Zone Companion 
interviewed Rob Serling and how this episode came to be. Mm. This is actually pretty interesting. Rod received mail from the American Airlines in which the airline company was offering to any production studio on the West Coast, specifically, a mock-up of a 707 passenger cabin to be used for filming. So they were kind of auctioning off this cabin that they had. And they used it for training. Oh, I see. That's why they had it, but they were kind of done with it because they were moving past the 707s. And they're like, anybody anybody want this? So that's that's how it came to be. Rod Serling became super fascinated with the idea of filming an episode in such an enclosed set. So kind of like 20,000 oh, feet. Oh, so maybe, is this the first plane episode, I wonder? This is the first one where it was like an actual plane. Cool. Because before it was kind of just made into a set to look like a plane. Yeah, yeah. This one was an actual plane. Wow. So that's pretty cool. So yeah, I thought that was a super interesting little tidbit. So he bought a plane to film this episode specifically, and then he developed the idea for it. Very cool. Pretty cool. So their true airspeed remains constant. So there's no risk of the plane actually breaking up. Because I, I had that in my head. I'm like, well, they're going that fast. I don't think this plane can. So it's more like everything around them is moving fast, but the plane is safe yeah. within the jet stream. And Lulu. they can't contact. Yeah. There's, it's one heck of a Lulu. One heck of a Lulu. <laughs> Stewardess Jen is shook. No one is making it to no Broadway shows. Sorry, Paula. She goes to the other stewardess and it was like, we're in trouble. Go serve those bevies. She's like, girl, look at me. We're not getting out alive, but you give them their caffeine. Concentrate on something. Again, they don't tell you anything on planes, and I'm going to be very vigilant next time. I'm on a plane. Oh, do you know what happened to me once? I was when I was uh, going to Japan. We were on like China Airlines or something like that. They took the coffee, like the thing that catches the coffee, out of the coffee maker, and a waterfall of coffee came out of the coffee maker, went onto the floor. The flight attendant just took the thing, the carafe, and just. Put it back in. I mean, smart. And then he was just like, okay, we're taking off. Yeah. I was just like, ah, <laughs> so scary. Yikes. <laughs> at this point, the navigator looks at his panel and says they've exceeded Mach 1. The only thing I know about planes, mostly because I have a f- quite a few of actual pilots in my family, and I've heard this before. They like to talk about the speedometers and gauges and stuff in there. Why would a subatomic, why would a subsonic plane? have an indicator that goes over Mach 1. The plane is literally not able to go that fast, so it's interesting that they have indicators on this plane to be like, just in case, let's have ones that go to like Mach 8. <laughs> in case he, your plane goes so fast. He just had the instinct. He yeah. knew. He just knew. <laughs> One of the page- passengers, throughout this episode, people kind of feel an increase of speed, which yeah. I think is interesting. We get the shot of passengers, and he seems to sense an increase in speed. He's also talking... To this woman, her she's like a lip smacking, gossiping woman yeah. talking about some other woman's liver. Like liver, she okay. This is how she talks. This woman was doing. That, I'm like, what? <laughs> I was that a creative choice? Yeah, I, for me to hate her. And other than him saying, like, did you feel that? This little scene between these two passengers so was weird. far too long and did not need to happen. It seemed like the only reason is to show that. Because this guy was in the Marines or something for England, England, yeah, the United Kingdoms Armed Forces. I guess he knows about planes and feeling speed. So I think that's it. Was just showing that like, yeah, people can feel it that notice it. And I had seen this one before, and when they had that scene, I obviously had blocked it out of my memory. It and makes was, no sense. I was like, oh, he must come to help at some point because he's getting a lot of airtime. Doesn't nope. He's- 
This is it. This is it. Yeah. Have you ever on a plane had a talkative seatmate? Luckily, I can say no. That is my number one fear with flying. I just figured it out. I I would not know what to do with myself if I was trapped in this type of situation with somebody that just would not stop talking, let alone smack their lips well even every time. well even when i'm with friends or with you or with family i'm not talking the entire time no because i think it's rude yeah everybody just wants to go in their own little cocoon and we just want to make it to our destination also if you talk it could be fine but like just talk to people you know if not just put your headphones on and shh. yeah <laughs> uh, uh. the only you know what only thing i want from my seatmate if i don't know them is if I fall asleep and they come around with the snacks or the soda. Oh, to wake you up. Just be like, they're coming. Did you want yeah. something? Yeah. Like, that's I, lovely. I, I was with somebody. I was in one of those ones where it was just two seats mm. or whatever. And the girl had the window seat and I had the aisle seat. And she was sleeping. They came around. So I woke her up, just trying to be nice, furious <gasps> for waking her up. Oh, no. The whole flight, we had two hours left. I was sitting next to this person that was just furious at me. Said nothing, but I could feel it. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, okay, f- you ordered something, so yeah, I think I did the right thing." You were parched, you wench. <laughs> Here's the thing that I believe in on planes with seat partners: help me pass the garbage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. People yeah. put their arm right in front of your face. I'm like, I will oh, take it I from see. you yeah, yeah, yeah. and take the garbage and put it in the bag. Especially because everybody has their arms like kind of pinned to their side. Yeah. And as soon as you open it up, it's just like three hours of just like sweat and built up anxiety coming out at you not great no <laughs> so take the garbage help your neighbor yeah so then there's a flash of light dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and severe turbulence is felt the plane is fine but apparently they have accelerated so much that they broke the sound barrier oh. <laughs> the radio guy can't reach gander which is a place now we know gander gander boston rocky and bullwinkle all of that <laughs> stuff and, and at risk of a potential collision with other aircrafts captain skipper farver he has like five names in this episode finally decide to descend below the clouds because they have no way of knowing if there's another aircraft coming towards them right and so he just says to the other four guys in the cockpit like Keep your eyes out because we're going to be going down and we could potentially crash into another plane. Yeah, let me just have my freaking x-ray vision through clouds, Captain Skipper. This is what they train for. Yeah, okay. (laughs) You can't train your eyes to see through clouds. (laughs) Captain Farter tells the passengers they hit some atmospheric phenomenon. That's it. That's all he tells them. He gives no explanation of what that is. I would literally be freaking out. Just confusing enough. (laughs) What? Does atmospheric phenomenon mean? A gander. (laughs) Turbulence, I guess. The crew is able to identify the coastline of Manhattan Island and other geographic landmarks, but there's no buildings in New York City. Only dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. Claymation dinosaurs, to be exact. <laughs> just a very chill brontosaurus munching on some leaves. like, And he's just like, huh? Yeah. I, I When I first saw this, I was like, did they go back in time or to a different universe with claymation dinosaurs? <laughs> right. So that's a good Why? question. Were they real dinosaurs or actual claymation right. Were, dinosaurs? Was it actually clay? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, in a cartoon, they didn't realize yeah. it. <laughs> it's, it's some interesting facts about this shot. A lot of the scene, especially the airplane episodes, they use a lot of stock footage and mm. they use a lot of things that, you know, like of the airplane flying because they didn't actually make an airplane go yeah, fly. Yeah. 
So, but this, the Brontosaurus model and miniature jungle was from the set of the 1960 films, Dinosaurs! Exclamation point. <laughs> I love an exclamation point. So they were used for this stop motion scene. Fantastic. This one scene. Do you want to know how much it costs to have this? I do. In the 60s, mind you, this is quite a bit of money. Also, quite a bit of money now. Over $3,000 to have that. For, for the stock? For two seconds. Yeah. Of a claymation dinosaur eating leaves. <laughs> that would probably be a lot of money. That's a like lot. Like now. Yeah. 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 Well, the, the whole history of the Twilight Zone is really interesting if you ever get a chance to look at it or research it. But the more the show went on, the more expensive it was for every episode. Right. And it was verging on like $65,000 an episode. Whew. Because they were also getting big names on there. Sure. The stories were getting more elaborate. So to add this extra expense of a claymation dinosaur... Of $3,000, it was a big deal. In the second season. In the second season. Yeah. Yeah. Big deal. So anyway, <laughs> that's my little <laughs> shtick on this thing. It is ridiculous. But, I mean, you kind of had to have like a, oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you need to see something, right? Because other than that, it's just like them going, there's a dinosaur and us not seeing anything. Right. Exactly. And you figure in the 60s, maybe that was real effective. Right. Yeah. So the captain says, somehow, some way, we've gone back in time. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Their only hope to returning to the present is to increase altitude and speed in an attempt to catch the same freak jet stream and to return to 1961. Keep that year in mind, guys. <laughs> it's not a bad plan, honestly. At what this else point, do you have to do? Right. Being in that jet stream and going back in time has kind of depleted some of their fuel at this point. So they're like, okay, we have enough to try to attempt to do this again. I don't know how it works, but... Let's just do the same thing we were doing mm -hmm. and get into it again. At first, it appears to work. Another flash of light, violent shaking. New York City is once again visible. Jenny tells them to talk to the passengers because she's had it. People are climbing up the walls. People want too many paper cups of drinks. She's not going to her opera. Everybody's <laughs> we're out of done. cones. Yeah, it's we're mayhem. We're out of water cones. Mayhem in the cabin. <laughs> Although they still cannot contact Idlewild, they are able to reach LaGuardia. The captain calls it a momentary difficulty when he tells the passengers what happened. Again, not specific. Vague. Very vague. Sorry, guys. We had a momentary difficulty. We'll be landing soon. Yeah. I saw I saw a claymation dinosaur. Guys, what do you mean momentary? Keep it vage. Keep it vage. So as the radio guys trying to reach these airports and figure out if they can land, the air traffic controller on the radio does not understand the references to Idlewild or to the current aircraft technology known at such as like VOR, ILS, and jet aircraft. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. What does that even mean? So then you're, I was like, oh, okay, what's happening? Like, are they in another universe now? Yeah. What's, yeah. <laughs> what's happening? They're on another planet. <laughs> but to be fair, in 2022, I still don't know what any of those mean. So his guess is as good as mine. Yeah. The controller eventually clears the aircraft to land at LaGuardia, but orders the captain to report to the Civil Aeronautics Administration or CAA. Say, ka. Ka-ka. <laughs> he said, report to the ka. <laughs> office afterwards the captain remarks that they haven't called the federal they haven't been called the federal aviation administration by that name in years so a little bit more uh, of the mystery is thickening uh, the co-pilot spots the building and structures from new york city state fair in 1939 to 1940 below they have come forward in time just not enough just not enough <laughs> the captain briefly considers using the 1939 
LaGuardia to refuel before making another attempt to return to 1961, but he rejects that plan because LaGuardia's runway is too short to handle the Boeing Boeing 707. I think that was a good choice. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm glad that pilots know what they're <laughs> know what they're yeah. doing on planes yeah. for this reason. That's why there's five people in this cockpit. <laughs> I mean, I'm very. I was very impressed by them flying in the air and looking out the window and going, "Oh, that's Manhattan." Oh you know, yeah, I would assume that you would have to know. You have land to have like masses. a topographical map in your brain and be able to look down to see where you are. I can't even say that word, so I'm not gonna. I ever barely be a got through it. <laughs> I do like that. He's like, it's too short and all this plane science stuff, but he got it. As he attempts one more ascent before the fuel runs out, he addresses the passengers, indicating that they have traveled back in time. All I ask of you is that you remain calm. He tells over them, (laughs) he tells over the intercom, and pray. He ends it with that. (laughs) Love that they didn't tell them anything this entire time until they're like, we're about to run out of fuel. We're going to try this one more time. Hey, guys, by the way, we traveled back in time. We're going to try it again because we went forward but not forward enough we don't know what we're doing i mean what Hang else tight. do you say <laughs> what else do you say yeah so that's the big twist about this one and i love the episodes that have those kind of double twisty things where it's like oh they went back in time it's like oh they came back not far enough yes now what? and what there's happens? even a cliffhanger yeah so this is the end narration will kind of give you what may or may not have happened to flight 33 a Globejet eyeliner en route from London to New York on an uneventful afternoon in the year 1961, but now reported overdue and missing, and by now, searched for on land, sea, and air by anguished human beings, fearful of what they'll find. But you and I know where she is. You and I know what happened. Do we? <laughs> so if some moment, any moment, you hear the sound of jet engines flying atop the overcast, engines that sound searching and lost, engines that sound desperate, shoot up a flare or do something... That would be Global 33 trying to get home from the Twilight Zone. Oh, <laughs> you know, it almost feels like there's <laughs> never found. <laughs> there's, you know, even, you know, beyond the the going back millions of years or whatever. Right. There's also this thing of like urban legendies. And, and, and is time distorted in a way that when they're trying to find this thing and traveling through these Lulu jet streams <laughs> that. Like it might have been a month. Yeah, maybe. For, yeah, you know, yeah. for 1961. And so right. they're searching and searching and searching, but they can't find them. And for them, they just keep hopping around. I mean, at some point, they're going to run out of fuel and they just got to pick pick a decade. Yeah, and then land and then be like, here we go. We're with claymation dinosaurs now. <laughs> Hopefully they go a little bit further. That'd be funny if they just like overshot a lot and it's like year 4,000 something. <laughs> exactly. Good luck. <laughs> and then the plane is rusted and it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. I like, I mean, this episode, so that's the thing about like one of these episodes, not much really happens during the episode. It's more the ride you're on. Yes. And the story. Because after it was done, like I, as I was watching this for the first time, I was just like, oh my God, what, I, anything going to happen? Come on. And then by the time it ended, I was like, that was a pretty good story. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like when I watch The Twilight Zone, I am I am always there for the ride. Yeah. You know, in this episode, I'm a passenger on the plane. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what's going on. I'm trying to figure it out. And I think that if you're willing to go with that, 
then you're going to be entertained. Yeah. Whereas if you're sitting there going like, oh, this is so boring. Oh, nothing is happening. Oh, that makes no sense. Then you're stopping yourself from enjoying it. Yeah. And then you get episodes like Jezebel where the entire thing could have been summed up in a sentence. And I'm like, I'm fine. Yeah. Well, and she was just annoying. The whole story was annoying. It was bad. It was just bad. (laughs) I think I might have fallen asleep on Jezebel. We did. <laughs> we did. We had this New Year's. We fell asleep at 10 o'clock and I set an alarm for 1130 and we woke up with champagne and then said Happy New Year and went back to bed. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say we didn't wake up and I was like, but I remember we no, did. No, I set an alarm. I set yeah. an alarm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it was Earth all along. Special segment. No, <laughs> So smooth. So you were smooth. just staring at me. I was like, "What is he going to give me the lead in?" I just talked for a whole ten minutes, so I'm done. <laughs> all right, so let us get into nuggets. our special segment. It was Earth all along. So while gremlins on the wing of the plane usually only take place in the Twilight Zone, time, like in the Odyssey of Flight 33, is always a factor. We all rush to the airport to then sit there and wait, and nothing feels like more of a time suck than when your flight is delayed. Uh So I want to share some delayed stories with you. Okay. My worst fear in an airport. Ugh. In 2014, the vice president of Korea Air went nuts when her nuts were served to her unsatisfactorily. What? Yeah. She didn't like that she was just given a packet of nuts. She wanted them served nicely. Oh, get so out. So she fired the crew chief Whoa. and then made them go back to the airport to kick him off the plane. Wait, where was she? They were leaving JFK. So this happened in the air? No, they were like taxiing away, getting oh. ready to pull, and they went back. So they didn't even take off. Well, how'd she get peanuts so early? She's the president. <laughs> Of airplanes. But she was later (laughs) sentenced to a year in prison for her delay causing insanity. Oh, because it was like unjust. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And also, I was like, like, wait, what else? Did she, she was do? like, so she was like the vice president of Korea Air, and her father was the CEO. So it was like just like very shameful. Oh, she was just and, also yeah. probably just entitled. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, another flight in 2012 from San Francisco to Shanghai had to land in Alaska because of some faulty toilets. <laughs> a new no. plane was sent, but that one was also no good. So United Flight 857 was delayed two whole days waiting for a plane that wasn't crappy. In Alaska, of all places, I'm pretty sure those people did not pack for Alaska. Oh, absolutely not. San Francisco to Shanghai? I'm going to Shanghai in the summer. (laughs) Where are we? Wait, okay. But in that story, did it say anything about how she wanted the peanuts served? I think think it was like she was just given a bag and Uh she wanted them like served nicely in a bowl. Or Girl, it comes with like eight peanuts in the bag. She fancy. Oh. She fancy. Sorry, that's just going to bother me. By the me. way, she I, I believe I read that she only served three months of the year sentence. Yeah, she probably got bail or something. Yeah. She was parasailing. She's parasailing the career. <laughs> Aeroplanes. Yes. <laughs> but the longest delay in history no. was 160 hours. How, the, how many days? It's a week. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is that how many hours are in a week? Just about. It's like 6.7 oh, okay, days. Okay. Yeah. I honestly didn't know. <laughs> the Pan Am Pacific Clipper was delayed by a week on December 7th, 1941, <gasps> which was Pearl Harbor. They were oh. stuck at the U.S. Embassy in New Zealand and actually had to fly westward, making them not only the longest delay, but the first commercial flight to circumnavigate the world. Whoa. Because okay. they had to go all the way around 
back to oh, yeah i didn't know that wow yeah. instead of just going east from new zealand to they like, made Hawaii. it around the world in one day yeah crazy and a week because <laughs> they had a week yeah. <laughs> so delayed flights may feel like you are stuck in another dimension nah. these trip detours were on earth all along yeah yikes imagine I freaked out when my flight was delayed by like four hours once. Imagine though those people in Alaska, they're like, oh, the plane is here. Finally, we can all get on the plane. And then they're like, no, this one's bad too. Why? Okay. How long is the flight from Alaska to Shanghai? Because I mean, do they need to have the toilets? work? <laughs> like, sorry, guys, just don't shit. Crap the, in a bag. Right. Well, it's, you figure it's got to be at least 10 hours or okay, something yeah, that, like that. I guess that is a lot. Maybe, yeah. maybe they have some law where it's like, if it's over, you, you have to have a bathroom accessible. I think they just have to have bathrooms no matter what. But that's so weird that they're probably in a big plane like that. There's usually maybe two to four restrooms and that yeah, none okay. of them were working. But I don't know that if it was necessarily like a mechanical problem with the toilets or maybe it was something about the storage you know what i mean of the water and yeah. stuff that was leaking or something like that wow yeah so the pooper pooped out the plane more peas he's pooped plosa plosa please plosa wow okay so i mean cool planes suck and very scary gremlins we do them dinosaurs also i don't want to drive a lot so pooping Whatever. You gotta live. Complicated. Life is hard. I mean, they're really frightful flights. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> I was on a I was on a plane once. Sorry, this is I'm chewing time here. Roadblock right? detour. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, amazing race. Mm-hmm. Um I was on a plane once where the toilet did back up. So uh, that was not fun because the entire plane literally smelled like shit. But that's disgusting. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I was on a plane once where they were not expecting as many people to bring carry-on luggage. And so mm. They were just throwing the bags in the toilets, in the in the lavatories, because they ran out of storage. And I guess this particular airline did not have a plan of like checking it at was the it gate. Spirit? No, I think it was when I was <laughs> flying maybe from San Andres, which is uh, an island off the South America, back to like Colombia or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, all right, we'll just throw all of these bags in the bathroom. Okay, well, you can't piss or shit so have fun and everybody was panicked it was terrible oh okay well <laughs> you made it and so did your luggage uh, oh i meant the crew was panicked because they didn't know what to oh. do with the bag so they were just like oh. throwing it in there oh okay <laughs> <laughs> well if you have any fun stories feel free to comment below and uh we'll see, you see you next, next time in the twilight zone <laughs> bye. bye thanks for listening to a bite of artwork and editing by our own noah be sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at a bite of pod and on Facebook at a bite of. If you have questions, recommendations, or just want to say hi, you can email us at a bite of pod at gmail.com. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Please be sure to rate and review to spread the word. Hope you join us next time on a bite of. Bye. <music>